Okay, good work. Look at that tiny track. Um, I'm going to share with you tonight a couple of incredible stories. Uh, this week, we are reading about, just read in the Torah, about the reunion of Yosef and Yaakov. And it, um, it's reminiscent to me of the work of the Rebbe's Shluchim, the Rebbe's emissaries throughout the world, to uh, bring Jews together. So I want to share a couple of stories on that theme of how you see how the Rebbe sends someone to some city and and uh, the guy doesn't really know what his mission is and or many, many things that he has to accomplish in that place in that time. And Hashem arranges divine providence in a way that that uh, you could see it with your eyes. Uh, this week we read about the blessings that Yaakov gave his children. When it comes to Yehuda, the Torah says that Yaakov blessed Yehuda and said, Yehuda, you will be praised by your brothers. And Chassidus explains that Yehuda represents Shmon Esrei, the fourth part of Davening, where we are in a state of total submission to Hashem, the part of our soul which is able to completely submit and acknowledge and connect with Hashem is revealed in Shemona Esrei. But to get to Shemona Esrei, you have to have the parts of the prayers before, beginning with Shema. Shema is where it's called the Ru'uvein part of prayers. Why? Because in Shema, at that stage of our prayers, we have a vivid connection to God. When Leah gave birth to Ruven, she said, God has seen my pain, now my husband will love me. So Chassidus explains that Ruven on a personal level means the ability to see divine providence. And when you see divine providence in a vivid way, it brings out your love for Hashem. That's stage one, Ruven. Shimon is the second section of Shema, which mentions reward and consequences uh, for keeping Torah and mitzvahs because... Shimon means to hear. Leah said when she gave birth to Shimon, God has heard that I was hated, and therefore she blessed me with a child. Hashem has blessed me with a child because he heard that I was hated. So Leah mentioned God heard that I was hated. So Chassidus explains that the second section of Shema, which begins with, and if you will listen to God's commandments, refers to a scenario where a part of ourselves, which doesn't have that vivid perception of Godliness, and it's more like we hear about Hashem's truth from someone that we, that we trust, but not as vivid as the first section of Shema. And because things aren't so vivid, that's why in the second section of Shema, there is a discussion about reward and punishment, because it's, things aren't so vivid. And the third part of the prayer, Levi, is associated with V'yatsev and Ochon. At the conclusion of Shema, we say 15 adjectives, describing how great, the to- how great the Torah is. The Torah is true, the Torah is just, the Torah is right. And um, that's called the Levi part of Shema, because when Leah gave birth to Levi, she said, now my husband will love me. Now my husband will come close to me. So too, through the study of Torah, we become close to God. And after there's Reuven, and there's Shimon, and there's Levi, then when we do the Amida prayer, we're able to achieve the Yehuda to be in a state of total... Um, connection with Hashem, total devotion to Hashem. Yehuda means to acknowledge. Yehuda means to submit. Yehuda means to be in a state of abnegation. Yehuda means to be in a state of total faith. 
So what brings us, what starts us in this journey is seeing divine providence in a vivid way, Reuve. So I want to share a few stories on that theme of how we see divine, how um, seeing divine providence in the mission of the various Chabad rabbis, but it's not about Chabad rabbis. Every one of us is an emissary of God, an emissary of the Moshe Rabbeinu of our time of the Rebbe, to, to bring Mashiach, to bring Jews closer to God. So, first story I want to share with you is about a teacher of mine who, uh, I want to say his name, I don't have permission to say his name, but he was, an, he was a college, he was studying in a college campus, he was um, in his 20s, and a rabbi came over to him and said to him, was Sukkot, he says, would you like to say a blessing on a lulav, an etrog? He had never seen a lulav an etrog before, and he didn't think it was important, so he said no. But after he said no, it hit him. Why did I say no? This is a Jewish thing. I'm Jewish. Why did I say no? And this Chabad rabbi never discovered this, because he never met him again. But that experience planted a seed in this rabbi, in this man who became a very prominent Chabad rabbi, it was all because of him saying no to blessing, saying a blessing of an Esrik. A similar story, it's going viral now. I think it's about Rabbi Zevi Katz in Florida. Uh, this man met him, he was a graduate of YU, and, and he asked him if he wants to put on tefillin, and he said no, and he had him put on tefillin for years after he graduated college. And he just, you know, he was, he, brought up, he was brought up religious, but he just didn't, it wasn't a, a priority, and, a, and, a, and he stopped doing it. And then when the Shabbat asked him to put on tefillin, he said no, but he started thinking to himself, have I fallen so low? Have I, why did I say no? Why, why am I saying no to this? And the same thing happened to him. For 12 years, he started to put on tefillin because of that encounter, and he only met Rabbi Katz 12 years later, and he said to him, I just want you to know, I met you 12 years ago, and you probably chalked that up as a failure, on, you know, you asked this guy and he said no, but it wasn't a failure. You, you created, you lit a spark in me and I'm putting on film for 12 years because you asked that question. There are Chabad emissaries, in the, 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 in the most southern Chabad emissaries, uh, the Chabad emissaries which are serving in the most southern city are the Chabad emissaries in Bariloque, Argentina which is a few hundred miles away from their neighbors in Chile. They really live in a very remote area. There are very um, few Jews that live there. There's no real community there. It's, it's a tourist town, and they cater to the tourists in that, in that city. It's a very lonely place. So they, they just arrived. They're there for a couple of months, Rabbi and Mrs. Klein, and... Um, he put a menorah on his car. You know those electric menorahs people attach to their cars? He's driving on one of these streets. There's very few Jews there. Again, there's just people that come there. They're tourists. There's no real community. And this guy is driving alongside him. And he sort of like goes in front of him almost. And he forces the rabbi to stop the car. And the rabbi is like, what's going on? He says, I can't believe it. You must be a rabbi. He said, yeah, yeah, I am a rabbi. He said, I can't believe it. He said, I was living in this remote city and I met this non-Jewish girl and she was interested in pursuing the relationship and getting married 
And I knew this was the wrong thing to do. But I also thought like, if it was important to God, then God should give me a sign. And so I gave God an ultimatum. I said to God, if you, if it's important to you that I remain a Jew, then give me a sign. I'm giving you to this and this date. By this and this date, I want a sign that my Jewishness matters to you. That, it's, that, that there's something Jewish going on in this city in the middle of you know, the most southern... Uh, there, are more, there are cities farther, far, farther south than Barlok, but that's the farthest that Chabad has reached so far. Anyways, so he says, give me a sign. So I gave God a date. He says, right now, in the car with me, he's, he walked out of the car to speak to Rabbi Klein, is my fiance. We're on the way now to our engagement party. She's very happy. She thinks this is great, we're going to our engagement. I'm smiling too, out on the outside. Well, on the inside, I feel like I'm dead. I feel like I'm, I'm, my life is over. And I'm waiting for God to give me a sign because today is the last day that I told God, either give me a sign today or I'm going to get engaged to her. And now I see you with this menorah on your car and I, I know this is a message and a sign from God. I was thinking about this tonight because I didn't take off my menorah uh, from my car yet. And someone uh, asked me, hey, Rabbi, is this tonight the 25th night of Hanukkah? So I do have to take it off the car, but uh, it may be that it's serving a purpose now as well, except that it's letting the rain in. Anyways, so Rabbi Mrs. Klein in the city of Baralok, they um, trying for years to have children. They were blessed with their oldest daughter, uh, Shana, after uh, five years of marriage. Then three years later, they were blessed with their second son, Schneer, and they were trying to have more children. And years pass. Three more, and they um, wrote a letter to the Rebbe asking the Rebbe for a blessing for children. As many Hasidim do, they opened up a book of the Rebbe's letters, hoping that the page they open up to, there will be a response, something from the Rebbe about what they were looking for, a blessing for children. And they, they opened up the Rebbe's letters to a very interesting letter. The Rebbe said, because you are taking care of God's children, certainly God will bless you with children of your own. And then he continued, in general, where there is more quantity, there is more quality. In other words, it's not that as people sometimes think that the most important thing is quality, but when there's more quantity, quantity causes there to be more quality. So, but in your situation, Rebbe said, God will bless you with quantity and quality in the, in the issue that they were seeking, the blessing for children. So, a little less than a month ago, they were blessed with quadruplets. They were blessed with four children. I don't know anybody who knows anybody who has quadruplets. Baruch Hashem, they were blessed with four children. And uh, they say, uh, with, with two children, you can't sleep. With three children, it's impossible. With four children, it doesn't matter if you sleep. <laughs> it just doesn't matter. You're off the charts. Anyways, the doctors, throughout her, his wife's pregnancy, throughout, um, Mrs. Klein's um, telling, discovering that they, were, they had quadruplets, the, the doctors couldn't point at one specific issue that if this issue was resolved, then the children would be okay. It was a constant battle with the doctors and discussion and back and forth. But... He's, Rabbi Klein said, miraculously, not only did God bless them with children 
Um, but more than that, God blessed him to meet people along the way, neighbors and friends, who constantly gave him and his wife the encouragement they needed to have the faith, despite the dire predictions doctors had, that things are going to be okay. And thank God they were blessed with quadruplets. Interestingly, they, they went to Israel to have a child. It's not easy, by the way. They said in their first years as Chabad emissaries there in Baralok, they were able to... Um, by the way, if I'm horribly pronouncing this city, um, I apologize. Uh, but that's what they, they pronounced it on Google as Baralok. Either way, the, um, in their first years in Baralok, they were able to, to fly in a relatively easy way. Uh, but now with four children, it's a 30-hour flight, and it's a, it's a, it's a, every flight is a saga. So he's in the hospital in Israel. There's better doctors when they're working, especially for such a situation. And he said that in Tal HaShomer Hospital, he and his wife met another new mother, and the doctors told this new mother that in order for you to have a child, it's possible, but it, it would be literally one in a million chance for you to have a baby. So she said she wasn't from a Chabad family or anything, but someone told her that the Rebbe said that by keeping the laws of family purity carefully, that is a, a segula, that's a spiritual remedy to have a blessing for children. So she took that very seriously and she reviewed the laws of family purity and she was blessed naturally with a child. So Rabbi Klein said, if the doctors told her there's a chance one in a million of having a child, having a child naturally is probably one in a billion. But either way, she was blessed beyond all odds with a child and uh, bottom line is we take care of God's children, all of us are God's children we pay attention, look out for God's children, and God blesses our own children. And the main blessing we're looking for, as Yaakov blessed his son Yehuda, he blessed him that Gur Ari Yehuda, Yehuda is a lion cub. He was referring to how Mashiach will come, and Mashiach will be like the lion that was the king of all animals, Mashiach will rule the world. And in a similar way, um, ya- Yaakov promised Yehuda that even before Mashiach comes, your hand will be in the back of the neck of your enemies, meaning that all the anti-Semites and all the those who hate the Jewish people will be filled with dread and fear uh, from the Jewish people, and they will not uh, not bother them. Even before the coming of Mashiach, as the Gemara says, when the voice of Yaakov is heard in the synagogues, the hands of Esau, the hands of Esau, have, have no power. So may Hashem bless all of us that we should see the, reu- the reunion of all of us together in the Beis HaMikdash, Bukhara Mamish, which we see before the 10th of Tevis, so that this fast day becomes transformed to become a day of simcha, v'sasson, joy and gladness, and yantif. A good tevach, and a tzlachar ab, Tevis.